Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We found Peter having a miraculous escape out of prison yesterday as we were looking at Acts chapter 12, Colin. Uh, You make the point continually that the early church was living in the supernatural, but yet we had this amusing story of Rhoda, uh, who didn't open the door when Peter was knocking on it yesterday. And you were just uh, describing at the end of yesterday's program how James, the brother of Jesus, was emerging as one of the key leaders in uh, in the early church at that time. And we'll see more of him when we get to chapter 15. Um, interesting that he did emerge in that position because, of course, during the ministry of Jesus, he he wasn't really a believer in Jesus. It must have been the events of the crucifixion and the resurrection that really tipped the balance for him. But then he emerges as as this strong leader. Well, we pick up at verse 18. There was great consternation among the soldiers on the following morning. They had no idea what had become of Peter. Herod ordered a thorough search to be made for him. This proved fruitless, so he then interrogated the guards before ordering their execution. Then Herod left Judea for Caesarea, where he stayed for a time. He was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to settle the dispute. With the support of Blastus, one of the king's close personal assistants, they made peace with Herod, as they were dependent on his country for their food supply. On the appointed day of the audience, Herod sat on his throne in his royal robes and made a speech. The people shouted, This is not a man speaking, but the voice of a god. Immediately one of the Lord's angels struck him with a terrible disease, because he received the acclaim for himself and did not give praise to God. Herod was eaten by worms and died. Now, we've seen some awesome things happening in the life of the church, but we've also seen that some awesome acts of judgment were taking place. Remember Ananias and Sapphira, who fell down dead. Why? Because they had lied to the Holy Spirit. They had made out to the apostles that the gift that they had given had been the whole amount that they'd received from the sale of the land, instead of which they had held back some for themselves. Now we see judgment coming upon Herod. Uh, Why? Well, he was persecuting the church. He had been responsible for the death of um, John's brother James. And, uh, of course, he is now guilty of tremendous pride. He is really virtually acclaiming himself to be as God. And of course, when Lucifer did that in heaven, he got thrown out immediately. And Herod falls prey to this this, um, terrible disease of really almost like being eaten alive, isn't it? and he died. So while God was executing judgment in that way, the church continued to prosper. We read in in verse 24, however, God's word continued to spread and the number of believers increased. Now, those two things, of course, go together. The word spread. 
In some versions, it said the word grew. Uh, what was happening was, of course, the believers were taking the word of God, the gospel of the kingdom, to more and more places, and so the number of believers increased. The only way in which the church of Jesus Christ can grow is by the spreading of the gospel of the kingdom of God. Uh, the mistake that so many religious denominational uh, Christian organizations have made over the centuries is to try to cause the church to grow in other ways. But what grows is religion, not the body of Christ when they do that. Uh, you can get form, but you can't get the life and the love and the power that can only come by people believing the word and as a consequence receiving the Holy Spirit. So the number of believers increased. Why? Because they believed God's word. And there is a tremendous need today for the church to return to faith in God's word because only in that way will the church ever prosper and only in that way will God's kingdom purposes on the earth be fulfilled. So when Barnabas and Saul had completed their mission in Jerusalem, they returned to Antioch, taking John Mark with them. So now you see Antioch is beginning to emerge as the center for evangelizing the Gentile nations. And we read at the beginning of chapter 13, there were a number of prophets and teachers in the church at Antioch. And of course, these would not just have remained in Antioch, but these are the ones that would have gone out and come back, gone out and come back. So you could say that Antioch was now emerging as an apostolic center. Today, Kingdom Faith, of which I'm a part, is an apostolic center. We're constantly sending people out and they're coming back, sending them out and they're coming back. Uh, and they're going out with the word of God. They're going out in the power of the Spirit. This is exactly what was happening at Antioch, you see. There are a number of prophets and teachers in the church. We haven't, I don't know how many preachers we've got in kingdom faith, but there's many. And, and they don't all preach here. In fact, few of them preach here, really. They're going out and they're coming back. So, and then it mentions here in chapter 13 of Acts um, various personalities, Simon, known as the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Menean, who had been brought up with Herod Antipas, and Saul. So Saul is, if you like, at this point, recognized as one of these missionaries that is being sent out from this apostolic center. On one occasion, while they were worshiping together during a time of fasting, the Holy Spirit told them, you are to consecrate Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after a further time of fasting and prayer, they laid hands on them and sent them on their way. Now this is marking another growth in the development of what is happening. There are these number of teachers, but then they get this revelation that Barnabas and Saul are going to have a particular part to play in the evangelizing of the Gentile nations. And so 
they receive this revelation during a time of fasting. They have a further time of fasting and they pray, they laid hands on them and send them on their way. Very important, you see. An apostle is one who is sent, sent by God. And what they were doing is recognizing God is wanting to send Barnabas and Saul on a particular way, not just as missionaries, not just like the other prophets and teachers going out, but there's this sort of apostolic anointing uh, that is going to be upon Barnabas and Saul. So we read in verse 4, knowing they were commissioned by the Holy Spirit, Barnabas and Saul went to Seleucia from where they sailed to Cyprus. They preached God's word in the synagogues when they arrived at Seleucia. John Mark had accompanied accompanied them as their assistant. They then traveled throughout the island until they reached Paphos. There they encountered a Jewish sorcerer and false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was an associate of the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. He sent for Barnabas and Saul because he wanted to hear God's word for himself. But Enimas the sorcerer, for this is what his name means in Greek, opposed what they said and tried to dissuade the governor from believing. Now let's understand what's happening here. The church has been persecuted, but that has not stopped the church from growing, developing, spreading the word of God being taken to these other nations. So now, if you like, the enemy has another kind of attack upon the church, and, and that is to try to compete with what is happening through um, the apostles and the other preachers that were going out by occult practices. And we see this emerging every so often throughout the Acts of the Apostles, uh, trying to draw people's focus away from the gospel and onto these sort of magical acts that were taking place. So we continue to read, Then Saul, who was becoming known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked directly at Elimas and said, You child of the devil, you are an enemy of the truth and all that is right. So here were the apostles going out with the gospel, the truth, and here was the, this sorcerer, this magician, this child of the devil who was opposing the truth and what is right. This is another kind of spiritual battle that was going on. Uh, Paul continues, you are full of deceit and falsehood. Will you never stop perverting the Lord's revelation of the truth? Now the Lord's hand is against you and you will be struck blind and unable to see anything for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell on him. He stumbled around pleading for someone to take his hand and guide him. Interesting, isn't it, you see, that um, Paul is not afraid to invoke this blindness coming upon Elimas, showing that he is spiritually blind, showing that anyone who listens to him is also spiritually blind, whereas Paul is proclaiming the truth, and the power of the truth is so much greater than the power of the enemy. So when the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer and was amazed at what he was taught about the Lord. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 